1: Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos with the Bible as Literature podcast. In this week's episode, Richard and I discuss the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15 and the importance of hearing the Bible in its proper historical context, where modern disciples tend to impose a Hellenistic worldview on the story. This podcast invites listeners to consider the mentality of the ancient shepherd, where Hellenism emphasizes the importance of individuals. In the ancient Near East, a shepherd deals with his flock as a totality. The implications of this for the parable's meaning are significant. You're listening to the Bible as literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos and this
0: is Dr. Richard Benton.
1: It is the 40th episode of the Bible as Literature podcast. Today we wanted to talk about a passage from the Gospel of Luke that is often misread because in a contemporary Western setting, we tend to read things individualistically. Our frame of reference, because we're very Hellenistic culturally, makes it very difficult to hear Scripture, which is working in a very specific and systematic way against Hellenism, right? the Semitic worldview that is being put forward in the mashal of Scripture is at odds with the Hellenistic worldview. And one place that this plays out very clearly is in the historical setting for the shepherd flock metaphor in Scripture. There's a specific shepherding paradigm in the Near East that helps illuminate how Scripture uses these metaphors. We're not going to delve into that today, but we wanted to take one text that is often misread, and that is Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep. It's really not about the value of the one sheep, but about the value that the flock brings to the shepherd.
0: And I think that it's important to understand the most basic nature of what it is to be a shepherd. The most basic nature of a shepherd is not to love sheep. The basic nature of a shepherd is to earn your living off of sheep. This is a way of not life, a way of living, a way of making your living. Each one of your sheep that you have is a unit of wealth. That's why when it talked about Abraham and his progeny, you could tell they're rich because they had big flocks. Big flock means you're rich, small flock means you're poor. It's an economic indicator. It's not an indicator of love. And if anyone has spent time with sheep, I was talking about this to someone from Montana who grew up on a sheep ranch, and she was talking about how horrible sheep are. They stink, they're stupid, they're dirty, they're not lovable. She never once used the word lovable to talk about sheep. So I think we have to understand it from this point of view. Ultimately, a shepherd is someone who has a difficult job working with smelly, disgusting animals.
1: Well, and the voice of the shepherd is interesting too, before we move forward into this passage from Luke. The voice of the shepherd leads the flock as a totality it keeps the flock together as a totality i just want to cut away for a second and play for our listeners the sound of a bedouin shepherd leading the sheep right so you imagine the sound that you just heard as he's walking in front of the flock and they're following behind and he might check back occasionally to make sure that the flock is together but the point is his job is to lead them with his voice which gives his instruction so that the flock can be preserved for his benefit. It pertains to the shepherd. So everything pertains to the flock as a totality, but the value of the flock as a totality pertains to the shepherd. So if you think of it this way, the individual sheep that might go off on its own is in a way immaterial.
0: Without the shepherd, you just have sheep. One of the main roles of the shepherd is to create the flock. And so when you have a bunch of sheep, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a flock. Only when the shepherd calls to them and creates them and moves them around from one pasture to the next is it functioning as a flock. And when one goes away, you still have a flock. That's the thing is that losing one of them does not change the nature of what you have. The nature of, of a flock is just one. Even if you have five go out, maybe if you have... Three-fourths of the sheep leave the flock. Okay, now your flock is really small, but you still have a flock, even if most of the sheep are no longer in your flock. So I want to emphasize this, that the flock is what the shepherd makes of them. Individual sheep leaving does not affect the shepherd or his flock. The only way it affects him is that he loses that wealth or that material possession. He's poorer because of that, but sometimes that's what happens. A sheep in the flock may get sick, and if it gets sick and it's contagious, the shepherd has a duty to kill that sheep. And I think that we over-romanticize this. I just want to re-emphasize this again. I mean, we live in Minnesota, and Minneapolis is also known as Mogadishu on the Mississippi because of the number of Somalis we have living here. And it's really helpful to talk to Somalis about what it is to be a shepherd because there we have a lot of former shepherds here living in Minnesota, you talk to them. And a good shepherd can look at a sheep and say, ah, that sheep is sick, and this is how you take care of it. Oh, that sheep is injured, you can take care of it this way, that sort of thing. They don't say, this is Lucy the sheep, this is Betty the sheep, this is Max the sheep. They don't think of it that way. They think these are their bodily concerns, and we take care of them for the sake of the health of the flock. Nowhere in
1: Scripture. Do we ever have names assigned to sheep? This is why I think when people try to speak about socialism or communism, they refer to the people under socialism as cattle or as sheep. Because not only do sheep not have an individualistic function, they're depicted in literature as being passive. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Now people hear this in a church setting and they take the first verse of chapter 15 which deals with the complaint that Jesus is receiving sinners. They then identify themselves as a sinner and they think about how wayward their life has gone and how wonderful it is that they're so special to God that he would leave the flock and the pasture to go off and find this one sheep. But again, that's not a correct reading, is it?
0: No, I mean, he has to keep the integrity of the flock because that is his possession in the Bible. Oftentimes, Israel is mentioned as God's inheritance. It's his flock. It's his possession. And so naturally, when you, know, you have the 99 and you go and leave the one, it seems to me maybe sometimes in people's minds they think that, you know, there's a wolf attacking the sheep and he leaves the 99 to go get the one. But that's not the case. If there is a wolf attacking the 99, then it would be completely absurd to leave the 99 and go get the one. Well, the 99, by the way, are in
1: the pasture grazing, which means they have food. Now, the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling at the beginning that he's receiving sinners. Since the reference is the flock, not the individual, the scribe and the Pharisee as individuals are of no greater value to the shepherd than the lost sheep. That's the key, right? It's not about these individuals. It's about the totality of the flock. So anything that threatens that totality, which pertains to the value that the shepherd derives, is a problem. In a way, the scribes and the Pharisees grumbling about certain types of sheep
0: are actually threatening the flock. The irony there is powerful, that there are ones inside the flock that are more dangerous than the shepherd leaving and going after other sheep. But it also makes me think for a minute, okay, imagine you're a shepherd and you're looking at your flock of 100 and now it's 99 and you see one wandering off and you're on your hillside, staring up at the clouds, whistling your shepherd songs, and you see a sheep wandering off. What would you do? Just let the sheep continue to wander off? Like you're not busy doing, that's your job. <laughs> you're not busy doing something else. So get up, that's why he said, he puts it this way. What one of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost until he finds it. The way Jesus says is, it, it's not superhuman what he's doing, he says, If any of you were a shepherd and you saw a sheep wandering off, you would go get it. Why? Because you're a shepherd! That's your job! Go get
1: the sheep! It's like asking, you know, and that's why the next parable is important, the lost coin. If someone has a hundred dollars and they drop a twenty, they're not going to say, oh, I'll just leave the $20. they are going to stop to try to pick up their $20 bill. That's the spirit of it, right? Yeah, no
0: one says, oh, look how much he loves that $20 bill. He will do whatever it takes and leave the other four $20 bills behind in order to pick up the $20, $20 bill. Because that 20 is of special value. They're- More value than the other 20s. That's silly. It has a special value. It's precisely twenty dollars. It has a special value when it's in his pocket. Yeah, it has no value when it's on the floor because anyone can come and pick it up. Which means the
1: reference is what's in his pocket.
0: It's the the same idea. And the value for him. This is why this is a perfect parable for him to use against the scribes and the Pharisees. We're the flock here. Why would the shepherd go out of the flock in order to go after these stragglers? Well, what shepherd wouldn't go after the stragglers? That's the that's point. his job. Yeah. If the shepherd is there looking at his flock while sheep are disappearing and leaving, it doesn't make any sense. If someone works at Starbucks and at the end of the night finds that there's twenty dollars missing from his till, will go and look for the twenty dollars. Not because the $20 has a special value, but because that's his job. His manager told him, if it's under $20, you're going to be paying for it. Right. So it's coming out of your pocket. So it does have a value to him. He has to go and find it. Now, what Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees and the scribes is, this is my job as a shepherd. My job as a shepherd is to go and find these, and when I find them, I'm going to bring them back to the fold, and everyone's going to say, okay, the shepherd did his job, and the flock is now bigger than it was before. Right, now here's
1: the funny thing that you pointed out earlier that I want to call out for our listeners, right? So we move on, verse 6. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. Now, doesn't say it here, so we don't want to do any eisegesis, but... I don't know when you have a party what do you typically have at parties when you want to rejoice you have a meal you have meat probably at that meal exactly (laughs) so i found the lost sheep let's celebrate
0: and have something to eat (laughs) (laughs) we found the lost sheep let's eat it
1: (laughs) yeah it changes the context it doesn't say that here but if you understand the historical context if you're a farmer especially a bedouin obviously But if you're a farmer, or like my wife tells a story of how she befriended a goat that they had when they were children, and then one day the family killed the goat and ate it, or it was a turkey, right? She befriended a turkey, but then suddenly the turkey was gone, and she had given a name to the turkey. She was pals with the turkey. The turkey was on her her holiday plate, and she was very, obviously as a child, was very sad about that. But I mean, anyone who's been around farms knows that that's why you take care of animals. Either either you sell them or you eat them. I mean, this is the reality. So it's there as part of the backdrop. But then we go on. I tell you in that same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous
0: persons who need no repentance. I think it's important that it says 99 righteous persons. It doesn't say over 99 persons. He's not saying that finding the one is more important than the 99 that you have. It's saying that finding one is gonna be better than 99 who don't need the repentance. This is a dig against the Pharisees. If the one is brought into the fold and is made into part of the flock, it's better than having those in the flock who are corrupting influences like you were mentioning before. Who are eating away at the flock, but also, at the end of the day,
1: it's basic math if i'm a shepherd and i start with 99 and i end up with 100 i'm better off this is the key that ultimately i want to go back to this point it pertains to what benefits the shepherd and this doesn't fit the psychological pattern of popular religion which tries to think of scripture in terms of its value for human beings it's not about its value for human beings it's about its value for the shepherd who's responsible,
0: once again, for the totality. There is no value of one sheep over another sheep. Just because you're in the flock doesn't mean that everything is fine for you, and it doesn't give you the right to look at a sheep that's outside the flock. Your value is only because you're part of the flock, not because you're special. In the same way that the value of the sheep that's outside that's brought in only has value because it's inside.
1: Right, and you have the next example, the lost coin what woman if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it everyone knows that if i had a total of 10 coins and i gave you a choice do you want one coin or do you want nine coins all of equal value which option would you take
0: the nine coins
1: exactly that's the point we know that numerically quantitatively the nine coins are of more value than the one coin by itself. The one coin by itself pertains to value for this woman when suddenly she has a collection of 10 instead of nine. It's being repeated in a different way as kind of a run up to the parable of the merciful father, which we've talked about in a previous episode, where now the lost coin, the lost sheep is this son who committed terrible pasha against his father.
0: Right, I think it's good to have this parable right after the other one because as modern Westerners, like I said a moment ago, we tend to romanticize the sheep and how cute and cuddly it is. It's better if we think that we're a quarter that got stuck behind the couch cushion. I think that's a better metaphor for who we are rather than some cute cuddly animal that Jesus is smiling to find and it forms his heart. Well,
1: I don't want to be a coin stuck under anyone's chair. And at the same time, I personally do not find animals cute and cuddly because dogs require walking, cat litters require cleaning, right? It's a lot of effort to deal with animals. So I find nothing cute about them. So I'm just fine with the way the shepherd handles things. I think he's doing a fine job and I don't want that job.
0: (laughs) Anyways. Definitely. This is an important way to have the correct mindset when you enter into the story of the prodigal son. And so I'm going to reiterate a point that you and I have made hundreds of times, even in the course of only 40 episodes, that reading the entire chapter is a requirement for understanding any part of it. You can't understand the prodigal son without understanding the 99 and the one sheep, without understanding the nine and the one coin. You have to understand the entire chapter in its totality to begin with. Then you have to understand chapter 14 and chapter 16, the bigger context and the book of Luke in the broader context. So, again, challenging our readers that when we have gone and talked about the prodigal son before, now we're talking about this. So, go back and listen to when we've talked about the prodigal son, and you will understand more deeply what's going on in the prodigal son because of what we talked about today. And I would challenge you, even better than re listening to the podcast, go back and reread chapter 15. Luke it's free on whatever device you're listening to us with right now
1: if I look at the New American Standard Bible and the headings that they have they title it incorrectly they say the lost sheep verses 1 to 7 then they say the lost coin verses 8 and 9 and then the prodigal son verses 11 forward but again in the beginning the reference is not the lost sheep it's the shepherd It's the shepherd who's going off and finding the sheep for his gain, which actually is an act of mercy towards the sheep, even if the sheep is irrelevant as an individual. It's still good fortune for the sheep. And again, it's the woman who finds the coin. She is the subject of the story, not the coin. And then
0: finally, the merciful father. He is the reference in the story. The one who gathers is the one who has value, not the things that are gathered. Because without the
1: gatherer, there is no totality. Thanks very much for your time this week, Dr. Benton. Looking forward to next week's episode. Thank you very much.
0: You've just heard the Bible as literature. Thanks for listening.